All right, welcome back to You But Funny, where Max Ham, Kevin Rogers, and we are comics and copywriters, and we are going to teach you how to in incorporate humor, your humor, your natural humor into your marketing so that you can stand out, get attention, and crush your competition. How are you feeling today, Max? Good, man. It's good to be back. Good to have everybody back in the saddle. Let's get the show started. Let's do it. So today, we're going to give you some of those examples that we promised in the last episode about how this can go so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and essentially, these days, you know, that things are really sensitive in the landscape, not, not just the political landscape, but people in general, things have gotten very sensitive. And, and maybe it's good, maybe it's too much, but, you know, you're very likely to get hissed in comedy club anymore if you bring up social issues, right, Max? You know, famous comics, big name comics often talk about how they just won't work college campuses anymore because majority of the crowd is not there to laugh. They're there to judge and in the, in the, in they're quick to protest. Yeah, it's almost like the crowd is there looking for something to be offended as opposed to just being entertained, which are two completely different things. Yeah, so it's a strange landscape to maneuver and so we don't want to gloss over this we're, we're telling you we're going to help you be funny we're encouraging you to take the risk and put yourself out there be vulnerable how that's very powerful but we want to help you do it in a way that's not going to hurt your business or leave you embarrassed so two words really sum up the the number one thing to be careful about when you think about being funny is tone deaf you don't want to be tone deaf and so Here's a couple of examples of instances where companies were tone deaf in their messaging and there was a nasty backlash. First one's pretty famous, Max, and that is the Pepsi Kendall Jenner ad. Oh, man. I love it when huge companies screw up, Kev. <laughs> Me too. Especially <laughs> when they're trying to be, you know, cool, right? It's like uh, you, got, you got all the money in the world and you can't put a good ad together. Yeah, it's, I love it when it's a big budget screw up too, right? Oh, like this, God, yeah. they basically shot a film and it was like a two minute commercial. God knows what that cost to run. Yeah. And, and then they had to apologize to not only, you know, Pepsi drinkers, people all over the world, a whole race of people. And then even specific famous, like people through history, like Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter, you know, really yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. So uh, for the listeners who, who don't know what the hell we're talking about, a couple of months ago, so in, I want to say in April or May 2017, Pepsi released an ad that featured Kendall Jenner as the star. And they had to take down that ad only less than actually, not only less than 24 hours after it aired. Wow. Because the whole premise of the ad was that if you're stuck in, in a social racial, turmoil-filled, tension-filled situation <laughs> like a riot, the only way to solve the injustices and, and the racial tensions in America is to have Kendall Jenner give a Pepsi can <laughs> to the police. <laughs> and yeah. you can imagine how the internet instantly blew up after that. And, yeah. and they had to take it down. They issued a public apology. They had to apologize to Martin Luther King's daughter. Yeah, it, it, it was really embarrassing. And I was like, man, you know, it's one of those instances where you go, how did nobody, nobody in your world 
speak up and go, does this feel a little, could it possibly be taken wrong or, you know, yeah. like to just be that full of yourself and blind to what's really happening and, and how much this really affects people. I mean, come on, you know, the serious, you, you have to sit back and go, did they watch any of those horrifying police shootings? And again, no matter which side of this issue you're on, it's not something you want to bring up in, in a commercial and pretend you can solve directly with your sugar water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. It's, and so it's fascinating that something could go so wrong and be so embarrassing. And, you know, some people might say, oh, so this thing is bad publicity. How many people were talking about Pepsi? And at the end of the day, if it makes you want to drink a Pepsi, well, you know, fine. Maybe there's an argument for that. But you can't afford that. You're not selling sugar water. You don't have your product available for a buck on almost every corner in America. You've got people paying close attention to what you do, and you can't afford to be tone deaf like this. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there were some funny memes coming out of that one. Uh, oh, it was great. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. Where, yeah. You, you better have some Coke in your fridge, basically, if the cops are showing up to your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some hilarious memes and, and just people, uh, you know, SNL, uh, Saturday Night Live did a great take on it where they showed, you know, uh, the director slowly realizing how tone deaf it was as he's filming the thing, you know, and he's just in a panic. It was hilarious. Definitely. Look, we'll, we'll link to that on copychief.com forward slash funny for you. But so that's a huge example. And you might go, okay, well, I would never be that dumb. Well, here's an example of a smaller company, which might be a little more in line with what you're up to because they have a huge following, but you know, people know them intimately and they have an intimate relationship with their, with their buyers. And it's a company called AppSumo. And I know uh, Noah Kagan, who owns and runs AppSumo. He's a great guy. I know he's got a good heart and he would not want to offend anybody. But, you know, as a company grows, you can't see everything that's going out. And, he, you know, his copywriter one day just made an offhanded remark that really did some damage. And so, Max, the, they were selling, what AppSumo does, just so you have some context here, is they get you cool products at a, a daily discount, right? So, they'll have a product that day, and you'll get it, it's half price or something, and it's, it's really a big win, typically, for both parties. And they were, what were they selling on this one? Oh, um, uh, uh, like an iPhone, like a selfie stabilizer or something, right? Yes. Yeah. And so... The, in the email, it said, like the second line of the email was, look, we've all made those videos where it looks like Michael J. Fox is behind the camera. Ouch. And, you know, obviously Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's and is famous for having to fight the effects of Parkinson's and, and that he shakes. And it's, it's pretty amazing that he's still able to perform the, at the level he does. You know, and he's an inspiration to people battling any illness, let alone Parkinson's. And the thing is, Michael J. Fox has a great sense of humor about his condition. And that's, an, you know, people find that inspiring. However, that doesn't mean that everybody else gets to take, <laughs> reference it as if it's perfectly okay, because they're not him. Yeah, exactly. And, and just because 
Michael J openly makes fun of his own condition. Pretty sure if he heard about this incident, I don't know. I don't know if he did, but he wouldn't even bat an eye. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, wouldn't, but, he wouldn't care. But you know, the backlash was people they were they were up in arms. And again, like we're talking about, for right or wrong, people are quite sensitive and and very almost looking to be offended. So you got to be extra careful if you're going to do something bold and outrageous. It's perfectly fine so long as you're doing it on purpose, right? Is if you're if you're looking to stir things up, do it. Uh, you know, Ben Settle, one of my buddies, one of the greatest email copywriters that you could know. If you if you read Ben's stuff, he's very controversial on purpose. He's like a puppet master pressing people's buttons. He loves to get people angry. He loves controversy. He's doing it on purpose, and he's funny to read. But he's and he. He thinks of it a good way, Max. He says, I look at it like uh, 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 an AM talk show. Right. You know, yeah. I, I want to, and those guys are masters at getting people stirred up. And I feel like that's my job as well. Right. And that's right. how I'm going to entertain people. And so yeah. you can do this on purpose. Just make sure it's on purpose. So in AppSumo's case, they had to apologize. The product owner was very embarrassed. He had to apologize. It's just a mess they didn't intend on. Yeah. And, and so... So that's it. Don't be tone deaf and you'll stay out of trouble. And the way to avoid it, Max, you know, get eyeballs on your stuff. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Make sure you're not the only person who's rolling out the stuff to your audience. Have another set of eyeballs on it. Make sure you have an editor go through it and, and, and brainstorm those situations where, okay, how is this going to be perceived? How are people going to see this? Is this achieving what we want or is this going completely the opposite direction where we have a, a you know, for lack of a better word, a shitstorm on our hands afterwards. Absolutely, right. So you got to have trusted eyes looking at your stuff, especially when you start injecting humor into it. Okay, so let's talk about persona because the best way to stay out of trouble is to nail your persona. Because once you're firmly within your persona, you'll have an instinct for whether something is in line with your persona. And if it's a little tone deaf, you know, alarms will go off as you're creating it and help you avoid trouble. So what do we mean by persona? Let's define this a little bit, Max. Essentially, persona, and in an upcoming episode, I'll just tease you a little bit. We're going to give you what we call the 4P formula for how to write a joke. Mm -hmm. I'll show you how I use this formula to write. You know, when I came back to stand up, I had to create 30 new minutes of material over 60 days which is pretty insane. I don't envy you there, dude. It was, uh, it was intense. <laughs> but what helped me was a workshop with some other comics that I'll talk about in a minute and having this framework. And it all starts with persona. I knew the first thing I had to do, Max, was nail my persona mm -hmm. so that I would know, is this, I had no time to waste. So if I thought of a premise, I would think, all right, is this in line with my persona? And if it is, where am I coming from when I tackle this subject? That's right. Yeah. And so a persona, think of it like this. Your persona is something you establish and it doesn't change. So if you think of it in the context of a stand-up, if you watch stand-ups, even if they're well-known, say like a Louis C.K., Louis will carefully choose what he opens a show with because it establishes his persona. So even if it's your first time seeing a Louis C.K. special, you'll very quickly get what this guy's about. 
and I'll, everything from his manner to the way he dresses. And in his most recent special, Max, you know, he, he decided to wear a suit. Oh, did and he? yeah. And it threw me off and wow. I'd be not sure why he did it. And I, it was actually, I was, I welcomed him being in something other than a, you know, black t-shirt <laughs> that looked like he pulled it out of a, of a, a hamper, yeah. <laughs> a dirty clothes hamper on his way to the show. But a suit was like such a big, it took me a few minutes to adjust. Yeah. He looked great, but it would just felt like, well, who, where would Louis wear a suit? Who is he now? You know? But if you look at the material, it didn't matter because it was still very much Louis. And even if it was your first time seeing him, you'd, you'd say, I get who this guy is. Yeah. So persona is everything you do, say, wear, how you hold yourself, your cadence. It's who you are and it helps the audience quickly get comfortable with you because they understand where you're coming from. That's right. Um, you, one way I like to think about persona, Kev, is if you're driving a, a manual stick shift car, it's mm. like first gear. You, mm. you never go down to first gear unless you're at a full stop. And you're never really at a full stop when you're either on stage or doing a video or, or writing something. So everything goes after the persona. First gear and boom, everything goes after it. Second, third, fourth, fifth, everything flows from there. That's a great analogy, Max. That's really good because there are times that you would throttle down yeah. throughout your act just to dip back into persona, remind people, you know, who you are, what you stand for or against, but it'll only take a second because you've established it up front. Exactly. So yeah, that's a really good, um, really good analogy, first gear. And so let's give you a formula. And again, you're, you're going to want to go to copychief.com forward slash funny to see this stuff. This is something we've got for you on the page there. And you'll be able, once you sign in, we'll send you this stuff so that you can have it because I know the way we consume podcast is on the go and you may not be able to apply it just hearing it copychief.com forward slash funny. But here it is. Here's a very simple persona formula. So it is three brackets here, and then we're going to break it down and show you. So the first one, Max, is one descriptive adjective followed by an identity qualifier followed by your personal mission. All right. Descriptive adjective an identity qualifier, and then your personal mission. And remember, we talked about in the first episode that punch counterpunch and that people need to understand your passion, your credibility, your legitimacy on whatever you're talking about. So that personal mission is really important. So Max, to give our listeners here an example, we'll show my persona both as a stand-up and as a business owner and how they're very different, but they can work together. Yeah. So as a business owner, my simple persona description is I'm a passionate copy coach uniting writers and business owners, right? Very simple, nothing fancy. Explains exactly who I am in the world and what my mission is in business. I'm a passionate copywriting coach uniting writers and business owners. That's what I wake up and do every day in my business. Now in comedy, none of that matters. They don't want to hear about, uh, if I go up in, in a comedy club, <laughs> they, they don't want to hear anything about what I'm doing during the day yeah. <laughs> in my business. 
I don't ever mention that I'm a business owner. It's a totally different guy, essentially. And so my comedy persona is middle-aged, cool guy trying to figure out his place in the world now. And so when I came back to comedy, again, it had been over 10 years since I performed and a lot had changed in my life. When I was in the thick of my career in my 20s, I had long hair. I was single. I obviously didn't have kids. I was a vagabond traveling around. And now I'm middle-aged. I've been married for 17 years. I've got two kids and I'm bald. (laughs) (laughs) Different kind of experience. And, And I knew the comedy. I don't constantly talk about, you know, when I was younger, it was this way and now it's this way. Yeah. I just realized that a lot of the, the humor would, in a relatable thing for the audience, would be, it's a weird to be my age. And I uh, do this bit where I say, you know, I'm 47 years old, and it's strange because I'm, I'm, I'm caught in this vortex where I'm young enough to still care about being cool, but I'm too old to know the difference. Right. And so that's the simple premise. And then I go on for five minutes uh, of jokes from that. Yeah. So you and, and Kev, you, you had to sit down and, and figure your persona really quickly because you had a big show coming up when Billy asked you to come back. Yeah, I was I had no time to waste. I, I you know, I think normally if you're a stand up, you would let your persona develop over years. Sometimes, you know, yeah. there's this um, thing that commonly held belief in stand-up that I don't know why everybody chooses seven years, but it takes seven years to find your voice. That sounds like a long time to me, but I get it. You know, certainly my persona shifted and changed a lot from the day I started to when I finally stopped performing professionally. So, you know, but I, you're right, Max, I, I had no time to waste. I had to grab something and go with it. And it worked out pretty well, but I'm sure as I continue to perform, it'll change and shift again. Yeah. So I mentioned the workshop and it's a real blessing to have in my life. It's uh, especially when I came back and had to create all this new material and the workshop is actually run by Danny Bevins, who you heard in the first episode. He's uh, one of the greatest comics I know. He's, he's been on all the big TV shows, you know, Showtime and NBC and Comedy Central. He's been touring for years, and he also lives here in, in St. Pete, Florida now. And we spend a lot of time in this workshop when we work with young comics and with each other focusing on persona. If somebody gets up to, you know, throw out some new material that we're going to workshop, and if it's, we go, Why? You know, if it feels off, we'll say, well, why would you be, you know, why do you care about this? Right. Because if we don't know why the comic cares about it, if there's not a little emotion behind it, then the audience can't give a shit either. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, so that's critical on persona and to show how personas can change over time. We're going to play you a couple of clips from, uh, one of our favorites, George Carlin. I'd say he's my favorite comic of all time. I know he's up there for you, Max. That's right. Yeah. Him and Pryor are, are, are definitely top two for me. Yeah. And guys with big personas that I'd say, you know, Pryor also had this sort of evolutionary moment where he decided to stop being what people wanted and decided yeah. to tell his truth. Yeah. And Carlin did it over. Carlin had actually like 
you know, three personas, right? Yeah. And run through those real quick, and then we'll play some clips to, to, to demonstrate. Yeah, for people who have never seen George Carlin when he first started, <laughs> you'll be amazed that he was your typical suit and tie comic back in the days of, of the Ed Sullivan show and, and the Merv Griffin show. And we're going to play a clip right now. You, you, you'll see that his voice and his cadence and the way he talked was like, whoa, that's, that's George Carlin? No way. <laughs> yeah, can't and, even recognize him. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then towards the late 70s, early 80s, he, he was influenced a lot by Lenny Bruce, and he became this hippie, pot-smoking comic. And you can, you'll notice that from his voice and cadence in the second clip. That was basically when he used to go on, on, on the Johnny Carson show. Yeah. And then towards the late 90s, early to, basically early, early 90s is when he had that epiphany. Mm -hmm. uh, and he admitted it in an interview, in a series of interviews, where he said, I, I realized that I was not being true to myself all this time I was doing comedy. And that's, and that's when the switch flipped for him. And then he became the legendary George Carlin that we all remember today. Yeah, the iconic, and there was some anger there, and oh, he attacked yeah. social yeah. issues, and, and, but just so piss funny all the time. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so here's a quick, in respect to George and, and his craftsmanship, we're just going to play some snippets from all three phases of George's persona evolution so you can get an idea how... It's the same person. Obviously, George had a long career, so it makes sense that he would evolve. But it'll give you a great view of what we mean when we talk about persona and hopefully help you start to think about who are you in your business and in the world and, and, and how might that help you be funny. Thank you very much. I'm sure that you're aware of the fact that teenagers today are the most powerful group in the country. First of all, there are more of them than ever before, and teenagers are so much better organized today than they ever have been before. Many of them are armed. <laughs> they even have their own radio stations, a coast-to-coast -coast network of top 40 teenage good guys swinging, robbing, stomping echo chamber stations. <laughs> We're all the disc jockeys sound alike. Hi there, it's Meepin' 6 and 9. Hi there, it's Meepin' 9 and 12. Hi there, it's Meepin' 12 and 3. Hi there, it's Meepin' 3 to 6. It's all the same guy. He's in a jar, right? <laughs> Anytime you turn on your transistor, you just might hear something like the following. Hi there, kids. Welcome to the Willie West Show here on Wonderful Wino Radio. Wonderful Wino. Yeah, welcome to the Willie West Show here on a wonderful Wednesday with your winner sprinter, Weird Willie West. Winging your way with 101 wild and woolly wedges of wax and crazy wackets to play on the radio. <laughs> right here on Wonderful Wino. <laughs> 17.50 on your dial, just above the police calls, kid. <laughs> we got stacks and stacks of wax and wax. We got the pick to click, the ones to watch, the oldies but goodies and newies but gooies. We got the top 700 records here in the land of Wonderful Wino. Wonderful Wino. <laughs> Let's get started with a big rockin' sound. A great new group from England, the Kansas City Boys. Let's hear them. My baby's dead. Ding, 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 ding. My baby's dead. <laughs> she got hit by a train. <laughs> big old train. I want to get that train. <laughs> There it is, kids. Another big romantic ballad for you. This one by the armadillos. Okay, moving along, kids. Here's another big train. Thank you, John. 
Thank you. Oh, hi, how are you? That's good. Because I was going to mention a place that we all go, and just to quickly get into it, you know, uh, the supermarket. A lot of little things happen to us there that we all know. We don't get to talk about them. They're just tiny things that happen. Have you ever selected an item at the supermarket and mistakenly begin to put it in someone else's basket? And you feel alien for a moment, you know? Whoa! I almost put that in his basket. My basket. My basket. Moment to macaroni and the cupcakes. That's always mine. Just looking for a balanced meal. <laughs> Have you ever walked away with someone else's cart by mistake and they really get mad? Hey, come here! Hey! That's my stuff! Not yet it isn't. Still belongs to everyone. And if I want to shop out of your cart, I'll shop out of your cart. <laughs> you have any scallions in there? Sure. Did you ever look in someone else's cart and say, Ooh, damn, look what they eat. <laughs> Canary mix. Now, something else a lot of you are aware of. Those of you with illegal cable hookups will be aware of the fact that uh, one of the things I like to do in my shows is complain, you know? It's kind of a motif for me, complaining. And, of course, this weird culture we live in leaves you no shortage of things to complain about. So this next piece of material, like most good ideas, is fairly simple. It's just a list of people who ought to be killed. Starting with these people who read self-help books. Why do so many people need help? Life is not that complicated. You get up, you go to work, you eat three meals, you take one good shit, and you go back to bed. What's the fucking mystery? And the part I really don't understand, if you're looking for self-help, why would you read a book written by somebody else? That's not self-help, that's help. There's no such thing as self-help. If you did it yourself, you didn't need help. You did it yourself. Try to pay attention to the language we've all agreed on. And a similar, a similar mystery to me. Motivation books, motivation seminars. Why would anyone need to be motivated by someone else? I say if you lack motivation, a seminar isn't gonna help you. What you really need is to be smashed in the head 30 or 40 times with a golf club. That'll fucking motivate you. Or else it'll at least get you up and moving around the room. You know, locate your socks, shit like that. Get the day rolling. Motivation is bullshit. If you ask me, this country could use a little less motivation. The people who are motivated are the ones who are causing all the trouble. Stock swindlers, serial killers, child molesters, Christian conservatives. These people are highly motivated. Highly motivated. And anyway, I think motivation is overrated. You show me some lazy prick who's lying around all day watching game shows and stroking his penis, and I'll show you someone's not causing any fucking trouble, okay? Okay, so you could hear very clearly through those clips how George evolved Max. And again, go to copychief.com forward slash funny to, you can see these clips. We got them up for you longer clips of each of those that we just played for you from, from George Carlin. 
also get the, the persona formula that we described earlier and just start thinking of this stuff. Just fill it in and go by instinct and then you might ponder it a little more the next day and you'll start to see this evolve because persona is key. Once you get your persona nailed, things really flow from there. Yeah, and as we said earlier, Kev, the best way for you never to be tone deaf is to run everything through your persona because that's when the red flags start popping up. Absolutely. Great point. So what are we giving them next, Kev? So in the next episode uh, that you'll want to binge on immediately, we're going to give you the full formula. This is the four P's. And this is a formula that I came up with when it was time to get back into comedy. And I needed to make sure that the material I was writing fit into a certain framework so that, you know, I wasn't wasting any time you know, letting the joke be sloppy before it evolved. And this is also a great filter for whether you've really got something here. So four P's coming up in the next episode, you'll know how to sit and write a joke and start testing this stuff right away. See you on the next one.